feeling better than I felt in a long time what's the uh, what's the prognosis what do my charts say what did the wow. labs say looking at your chart here I mean just looking at you you seem so much better mr. Taylor this this is incredible what a turnaround I think you've I think you might have fully recovered from your case of the Spielberg so what do you think solved it for you um, I gotta say it was probably the uh, the three 90-minute uh, sessions of Spielberg therapy, um, mm. you know, uh, and of course the Spielbergazone, uh, the the mm. dosage I took uh, while I was watching them. Um, I think it's been a successful intervention, and uh, frankly, I haven't felt this good since I got over the gold blooms. <laughs> if I know that laugh, that is a that is a healthy man's laugh. You see. Um, well, I was going to prescribe you this giant mountain of mashed potatoes, but I think I think you're all set here, sir. I mean, I'm no doctor, but I do play one on a podcast, and your cure makes sense to me. Wait, you're not a doctor, and you tell me this now? Uh-oh. Did you make d- up the Spielbergs? Is that a real disease? Uh, who gave you a prescription to Spielbergazone? <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you. Those were uh, just nerds gummy clusters, baby. Oh, those kicked ass too, Greg. Those kicked ass. I know ass. they did. Ah, cheers to diet soda. Swig a diet Dr. Pepper for the working man and the working Atta- woman. Atta boy, only only a healthy. That's the only doctor on this podcast. <laughs> there it is. That's why I did it because it ties in. That's why. That's why. I'm so you, glad you caught it. <laughs> you saw it at the grocery store and you're like, this will work for the intro. Exactly. Greg will figure it out, and I did. Um. Welcome back, everybody. The Spielbergs have been cured, and we finished all three movies, but we haven't finished talking about them. That's what the show's about. Our case of the Spielbergs is cured. Denny, we did it. How are you feeling after three uh, all sci-fi, the sci-fi-heavy Spielberg uh, journey here? I think Spielberg is at his best when he's doing sci-fi, so I'm glad we kept it to this genre. Um... I also love that, you know, we have the opportunity to revisit this and do a completely different series with a totally different vibe, um, which I think could be really cool down the line. Um, I'd love to say I'm feeling satiated, but Greg, I think I'm going to have to watch The Fablemans to truly feel that way. You've turned me around. You've changed my mind. Um, If I wasn't on such an itch for spooky stuff right now, I would have already watched it. Okay, very cool. Yeah, I... I I think you'll get something out of it. I don't think it'll be like a huge a huge deal, but it I think it is worth watching and then like the way you've talked about him in our discussions here, I think you'll at least like appreciate things about it and then we can talk about it later. Maybe on a what we've been watching, Denny, but it sounds like you're on a spooky kick right now. You want to tell me a little bit about what you've been watching? Yes, Besides sir. our movie today, by the way, which is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Very sorry, but yeah. Oh, yeah, what else? that movie. What? Um, oh, yeah, that thing. So 
I Vanessa and I have been starting a watch through of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Have you ever watched it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched the first few seasons. Really I've, funny. Really funny. It's a hilarious show, man. Um, I it's it's funny to me because I can't stand the three most uh, reliable TV genres, which are cop, doc, law, uh, police, uh, doctor, and lawyer procedurals. They don't do anything for me, but mm. I love Scrubs. You know, <laughs> and I, I, I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, I don't like those shows, but I do like uh, the kind of commentaries on them, I suppose. Um, so that's been pretty fun. Um, so we watched uh, an obscure movie uh, that our friend Rebecca had on DVD called The One I Love, starring Elizabeth Moss and Mark Duplass. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it. And I didn't ever want to see it because, for whatever reason, I can't stand Mark Duplass. Oh, really? I don't have strong opinions on him either way. He's definitely Some... kind of a douche in this movie. So I love, like love, love Elizabeth Moss. But... Me too. Well, fair enough. It's a cool movie. Basically, the premise is uh, this couple that's having a hard time in their marriage. Their therapist tells them to go to this uh, this one center where they have like a couple's getaway. Um, and when they enter the guest house alone, there is, um, a, their partner is there, but it's not them. It's like a more idealized version of their partner. Um, and it's, it's different for, and if they go in together, it's not there. Um, and it's just very, very eerie. The whole movie, you can't really figure out what's going on, um, and I, I really enjoyed it. I do think it had um, a couple of leaps in logic that were required to make the story happen. Like, initially, when they start realizing what the fuck's happening, um, they just pack their shit and leave. And then they're at the diner, and they're like, okay, but hear me out. What if we explored this? What do you mean, explored this? well, I don't know, maybe it could be good for us. And I was like, oh, shut the fuck up. They would leave. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the one I love, fun movie, not anything uh, necessarily incredible, but definitely something that felt unique, different, uh, fresh. And I enjoyed that. Um, I also watched Curtains. Uh, Curtains I saw, I, I watched a YouTube video of the 10 most underrated slasher films and I made note mm. of them all so I could watch them. Uh, Curtains was the first movie from that list I watched. It is a 1983 slasher. Um, it that's honestly, the golden range. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you want to be. It uh, unfortunately didn't instill a lot of confidence in that list and <laughs> the suggestions oh, no. it was making. It's not horrible by any means. Uh, it was kind of difficult to pay attention to. Basically, these actresses uh, who all want this one part and said they'd do anything for it, they all have to go to the director's house together for a personal audition. Um, and when you know it, a murderer starts picking them off one by one. All these sexy oh, no. actresses. <laughs> oh, God, I can't believe it. Um, so it, it has a few memorable kills it has it has a little bit of fun to it but largely i felt that it was kind of hard to pay attention to <laughs> it really it really wasn't anything memorable a fairly unremarkable slasher um but if you're in as deep as i am it's always kind of nice to see something from that era you haven't seen yet so that's kind of cool um 
Then I watched a surprise smash, um, VHS 94. You ever heard of mm. it? Yeah, I know the series. Um, yeah, Ty West directed the original VHS, and uh, it scared the living shit out of me. Um, like, it was a really scary movie, I thought. Mm-hmm. I saw it as an adult, too. Like, this happened, <laughs> this happened like, last year. I'm not joking. <laughs> but, uh, it was really scary. Uh, so... I, I do not really like found footage as a genre, but, you know, I do like retro spooky stuff. And I figured VHS 94, it's got a predecessor uh, that showed me that I can enjoy a found footage movie quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Thought I'd give it a try. And uh, I'd been told to temper my expectations because it's kind of a letdown after the first one. And I did not feel that way at all. This movie was, like, made for me. Like, it's really? so good. I mean, like... It's, How often does that happen? Right? Like, it's super up my alley. It's it's a, it's a horror anthology. Like, th- this is what it was. I expected it to be a found footage... Uh, a found footage movie set in 1994. But really, it's like a found footage movie that was made in 1994, if that makes sense. Oh, cool. Yeah, Um, that does make sense. It doesn't feel like 1994's reality. These shorts in this, they're about like a mad scientist who creates evil cyborgs, and I had a nightmare about that one. Um, Oh, no. And and, like, there's this really cool, uh, there's a cool one where a woman, it's her first night working at a funeral home, and she has to stay there for a wake that nobody attends, and... uh, she thinks she hears knocking from inside the casket. You know, like, there's just mm-hmm. all this really cool, high-concept, uh, Tales from the Crypt-ass stuff in it. You know, <laughs> like, uh, that's, that that one's going to get rewatched. That's uh, It's a very, very Denny movie. Uh, it, it felt like it felt like the, the directors just were like, hey, <laughs> there's a certain type of neurodivergent person out there. <laughs> it's not going to be for everyone, but he's not going to find it right away. But he will find it eventually. Yeah, we, it's going to reach him. We trust it will reach him. Um, so, filmmakers, I have received your signal, and I return a. <laughs> That's how you know I liked it. I want wombs. Um, and uh, finally, today I had a three-hour break in my day because it was a late Ooh. week. It was really nice, and I decided what better way to spend it than watching a movie. So I watched uh, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, which I've been meaning to watch, one of the lesser-known John Carpenter films. Um, but unfortunately, it was kind of boring, and with 30 minutes left, I fell asleep in my beanbag chair. <laughs> so, um, more, more on that next week. I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on it once I've seen it all. It really did seem like it was starting to pick up, but uh, whew, that movie is slow. And it's got that super synthy, repetitive John Carpenter score. I had a I had a peanut butter banana sandwich for lunch, and I felt like John Carp- Carpenter was just playing me lullabies. Um, oh, Oh, brother. The, the Amazon synopsis of the movie is a priest shows a professor a canister of liquid Satan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would also be putting that on immediately. Yeah, it's like my favorite synopsis for a movie I've ever heard. <laughs> so, Killer. That's, uh, that's what I've been watching, Greg. What about you, my man? Yeah, we kind of delayed recording a little bit, so I guess we had a little bit of build up there. Mm-hmm. But that's a that's a solid little week of movies. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie, 
Um, the stuff I watched, uh, I've been sick, so I got less watch time and more try to sleep time. I did watch a few things. I watched a new Netflix movie from Adam Sandler, my wife wanted to watch. You are so not invited to my bat mitzvah. <laughs> and it, this is one of those one for you, one for me kind of situations <laughs> <laughs> where we watched a movie she wanted to watch because we watched something I wanted to watch that I'll get to next. But it's it's a totally harmless teen comedy. It got some genuine laughs out of me, like really solid ones. It's not bad. I wouldn't recommend it to you know, adult men, but, um, uh, you know, Sandler, he's in this phase of his career where he's just making movies and he's like, okay, what if it's set in this Island and all my friends can come with me to shoot this movie <laughs> in Hawaii or whatever. And now he's making a movie to get his whole, his whole entire family paychecks. I Cause his, honestly his wife and all his daughters are in there. <laughs> I respect the man for this. Like, it makes me like him more that he does that. Oh, yeah. I am absolutely not hating on that whatsoever. That's... It, if Netflix is just going to keep giving you money, just keep doing whatever you want with it. I don't care. <laughs> Good Dude, for him. If Netflix and his gave me a movie deal, you know I'd cast you and Leah and Vanessa. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, oh, would it be set in some kind of beautiful place? Well, it'd no. have to be, of course. It would be set in uh, the. It would be set on WrestleMania weekend. Um, oh my god! <laughs> so I'm gonna be a little selfish with that one if I get a Netflix deal. You know what? That makes a lot of sense coming from you. Uh, so that was the one for her. The one for me, which she also enjoyed, was How to Blow Up a Pipeline, Ooh. which came out this year. It is a. It's a pretty solid like indie heist style thriller where they a bunch of um of course environmental activists teenagers gen z young adults whatever early 20 somethings are planning to blow up a pipeline and they go through the whole process and do some little flashback sequences of like how they met how they kind of decided to do this and that kind of thing so it's very heist movie story structure with like much more modern kind of atmosphere and feel. I think it's it's really well shot. I think my only issue is like not all of the performances were so hot, but I think it's it's a good time. It's worth seeking out whenever it hits streaming or cool. whatever. It's good. I like movies where they blow up stuff. Yeah, and and teach you how to do it yeah. indirectly. <laughs> it's not a textbook, you see. This is Abed Nadir saying you can make a bomb using napalm and common household cleaning projects. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Denny, speaking of blowing stuff up, the last movie I watched is something that you... I, I knew was going to make you happy that I saw it. It's RoboCop 2. Oh my god! What? I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? It's a fun-ass movie, man. Yeah. And the, I... I have a lot of thoughts on it. First of all, T2, Terminator 2, mm -hmm. not one of your favorite movies. No. Ripped off of RoboCop 2 by having the robot lead ride a Harley Davidson. Oh my god, it's so true. James Cameron, you fucking hack. I hope mm. you hear this one day. I hope you fucking hear this one day. We've got you figured out, sir. You may have fooled America, but you didn't fool the movies for win, boys. All right? Well, don't insult him too much. 
before next week. But yeah, Terminator Terminator 2 was yeah. He made one good movie, all right. <laughs> Anyways, the the plot is off the rails in such a fun way and like Red Letter Media just came out with like a video about it like maybe a week or two ago. I didn't realize that and then I watched that and it made me appreciate the movie even more. Phil Tippett uh, is back doing all, a lot of the special effects for like the big robot. Super cool. A lot of fun. Um, and there's a really weird connection. One of my favorite bands uh, called Power Trip. In one of their albums, they have like a little outro, like audio sample of the kid going, I'm gonna die. You know what that's like, don't you? It really sucks. <laughs> and I've heard that song so many times and i did not know where it came from and i heard it in the movie and it popped me huge huge pop that's awesome rest in power riley gale so that's all out of the way that's all the stuff we looked at movie wise hell yeah you really uh you got outside your comfort zone you watched uh an 80s classic without any denny's to make you do it man i'm proud of you yeah there wasn't any real peer pressure i just i knew you would have been happy with me watching it and i had a great time watching it the the little ads coming out there again like the little news breaks mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. commercials got me again those are yep. so good yep different director but i think they're still pulled those they still pulled those off very well yeah I, I i thought the director held pretty well to the spirit of the original you could maybe even say too well um because it's kind of just <laughs> the first movie but less violent um, but, um, but still very violent yeah. yeah the first movie's insanely violent not to imply robocop 2 doesn't have violence right um but uh well, I'll, I'll give you a pro tip, Greg. Uh, you, mm-hmm. You've you have now seen uh, <coughs> you've seen all the RoboCop you need to see. You can just stop here. Um, it, it's acknowledged. It's it's all good. Uh, he does get a jetpack in part three, but uh, you know even that <laughs> it's it's not enough. <laughs> I will not make the sequels, the further sequels, part of my prime directive to watch. So nice. there we go. You truly are um, a master. You've mastered the material. <laughs> yeah, what can I say? I pay attention. So, Denny, we do have another movie to talk about. We've got to close out the series somehow. Yes, we do. We have to do, 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 talk about Close Encounters of the Third Kind from 1977. The oldest one on the series so far, but not the oldest Spielberg we've covered. Um, this is an Amazon rental uh if you want to i've got the blu-ray i i got a 30th anniversary blu-ray here which if you can do the math means that blu-rays were coming out in 2007 which was a huge shock to me (laughs) uh but yeah like i bought it a while back but we'll get into relationships with the movies here in a second Denny, uh, my throat's a little funny, so could you please summarize the plot yes. of Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Yes, uh, there is kind of an abusive asshat uh, named Richard Dreyfus um, who um, has a very strange encounter while out for a night drive one night. Um, he sees some bright alien ships, um, and he... Uh, almost runs over a little boy and uh, apparently everyone who's seen these ships just can't seem to get them out of their head they're obsessed with them uh, they, mm-hmm. they're, they're ju- they just feel drawn to go back to them um, 
So basically, he gets uh, so obsessed with these ships he's seen that he loses his entire family. (laughs) They just just fuck right off and are never mentioned again. Um, uh, But he starts getting obsessed with this shape. Um, He wants to form his mashed potatoes into it. He apparently fucking closes an art store, uh, an art supply Uh store, to make this landform in his living room out of what looks like some pretty heavy clay. Uh, He Mm -hmm. makes this, like, thousand-pound sculpture of this uh, landform. And then he just starts trying to get to it. Um, And it turns out more people are having a pilgrimage toward it. Um, They find it, and wouldn't you know it, the government's already there. Uh, They tell him they all have to get out of there, but uh, they say, fuck this shit, and... uh, and Richard Dreyfus and that lady get away, and they go and they watch this really cool, 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 cool fucking alien ship landing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I forgot, the aliens are kind of communicating with humans by repeating these tones. Do, 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 do. You hear that over and over again throughout the movie, and for those who haven't seen it, that's why me and Greg keep doing it, and we'll continue to do it for the rest of the podcast. Um, that's right. That's 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 how the the aliens choose to communicate with humans, and how humans communicate back. Uh, they they do it through music, which is pretty sweet. The idea that music would be universal. Um, and if that sounded like there wasn't a ton of story to it, uh, it's because there wasn't. Um, it's, mm-hmm. It was more, this was a movie much more about the how. Uh, the, this was a movie that I can't really describe to you. I just have to show you the visuals and let you immerse yourself in the atmosphere. Um, it's, yeah. it's The story is some aliens landed and this one dude watched it but the the how right it's all about how it happened and it's a very engaging how it's less plot driven and more spectacle driven and yeah. i'm absolutely here for it if you're this good at achieving a sense of spectacle and just mm-hmm. being incensed with wonders beyond our wildest dreams mm-hmm. stuff like that it's cool man um yeah Thanks for summarizing the thin plot for a good movie. I've got a Critiker review of the week for you first, though, before we get into it. This user gave the movie an 89 out of 100 and said, Spielberg, please make more films like this. And this was posted in 2007, so I wonder... (laughs) (laughs) When that guy saw Ready Player One... (laughs) I wonder how he feels about the post. <laughs> I'm not so sure. Narrator. He got his wish. He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Howard voice. Well, hell yeah. How are you feeling about this one, man? I got a lot of notes on it, but I was... Let's uh, get into your relationship with it first. Is How many times have you seen this movie? So, only two, actually. Um... It was on my my movie list the first year that Vanessa and I ever did it. Um, we had a lot of retro sci-fi on there that year, and we also we weren't planning on doing it for six more years. So we just tried to put every movie we ever thought we that was significant that we hadn't seen. So the first year had a lot of heavy hitters, and Close Encounters was one of those. 
I saw it, I loved it, um, and a couple weeks ago I noticed that I had it on VHS in my VHS collection, um, and so I sat down now, I guess, last week, fuck, a week ago today, um, to mm-hmm. watch it on VHS, um, and uh, E.T. was a really cool experience on VHS, uh, the quality kind of sucked on my close encounter one. <laughs> I, I kind of really had to commit to the novelty because I was like, I'd really kind of rather put this on <laughs> streaming somewhere. <laughs> yeah, we're in very similar boats. I've only seen it twice. And the second time was recently where I watched my physical media copy. But like I said, that's a Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. So slightly different quality than a VHS tape. Mm-hmm. I saw you posted a picture of it on social media. Hey, follow us there. Yeah. And I saw that it was the special edition, and the Blu-ray has all three editions. So I picked the same one as you, so we would have a uh, reasonable conversation or a, uh, a good understanding oh, of nice. I We watched the same movie, basically. I didn't know we had director's cuts and whatnot. I didn't know there were multiple versions out there. Oh yeah, um, this edition, it's not often we get to talk about this stuff, it has like a whole map of like... You sent me that, yes! Yeah, so it's a poster of the movie on one side, it's like a big fold-out poster, and then on the other side is like a map of the differences between the theatrical version, the special edition, and the director's cut. And it kind of seems like the theatrical and the director's cut are really similar and there's more stuff missing or added in the special edition. The mm-hmm. special edition seems like the most unique. I'd kind of like to watch the director's cut. So, you know, I've got the Blu-ray with all three. So, yeah. Denny, come on over if you're interested. Dude, I wish um, there was a whole subreddit dedicated to that map. I mean, it's not that big. No, no, no. I, not, I, not, I would like to not see... Not that map. Not that... I mean, like... Stuff like this. making just timelines of differences uh in between <laughs> director's cuts and standard edition and uh that would be really cool we'd have to ban blade runner discussions <laughs> <laughs> but you see which move which version of whatever movie you know people tend to prefer that'd be pretty cool mm-hmm. uh get it on get on it the internet please <clears throat> but yeah uh the only other time i had watched it was i think i, I was young i was real young it must have come on TV probably for the 25th anniversary or something. Mm-hmm. Watched it with my parents. It was one my dad enjoyed. I think this came out like the year before my parents got married. So it was like <laughs> from their, you know, late teenage years. So it had been a while. I was glad to watch it again. I remember enjoying it, but I think I enjoyed it a lot more in a second watch with my adult brain activated, mm-hmm. you see. So hit me with a note, Danny. What do you got? How are you feeling about this one? Um, I really like it. Um, I think my first note will simply be that this movie was made in 1977. Um, and well said. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it has some insanely ambitious effects for the time. Um, and it actually bumps it up a few points on my Criticer because I like. If I watched this and found out it was made in the 90s, okay. You know, like, um, Mm -hmm. but I actually felt like I needed to give it bonus points for being so advanced in its effects. Um, Like, 
Dude, when you see the mothership, when you get a real clear look at it with all of its lights on, holy fuck, man. Um, I was just wowed, just blown away by what they accomplished using what I assume is trick photography and miniatures, right? Like, Yeah. <laughs> and they, I was so impressed. You know, usually, like, even, like, the entire base being on Devil's Tower, that entire base, like, those distance shots where you only see, like, the base with all the lights and then the tower in the background, it looks like it's actually there. Mm-hmm. It is just a set, but it, they didn't build it there. They made right. it look like it was there, though, and it felt like it was there. Even stuff like the giant ship in the desert, um, just all kinds of stuff, just felt so... <sighs> gen- like, authentic, lifelike, I don't know, immersive, and I've talked about, like being able to like i know strings are being pulled and i can probably guess which ones but i don't care those, those it was another one of those kind of movies and mm. i was really having a great time with it like i was impressed with it but it didn't take me out of the fact it didn't take the immersion away from me i guess um you mentioned the mothership i wanted to read you something denny mm-hmm. the i don't get to do this a lot physical media we're f- physical media heads over here and movies for when love it this Blu-ray also came with a little book telling you about all the different cast and crew and a little bit about the movie. Awesome. So here is uh, Spielberg on his vision of the mothership. I didn't know what the mothership would look like, so we tried various things. My first concept was, well, the mothership's just a big pie pan with no lights on it at all. And then I was in India, shooting my last couple of days on Close Encounters, and I kept passing from the hotel in Bombay to on the way to Hal. And there was this huge refinery out there. I thought the refinery was amazing, and then later I noticed how beautiful San Fernando Valley looked, with all the lights from Mulholland Drive, and saying, well, what if that's the superstructure of the mothership, and underneath it is the lights of the San Fernando Valley? So it kind of combined two, like, things he had seen, two um, cities, like, yeah. what am I trying to say here? skylines kind of light night night atmospheres and just combined them into one big ship which Mm -hmm. is pretty cool a a giant (laughs) saucer with no lights would have kind of killed the (laughs) (laughs) the musical aspect of it but yeah hey i just appreciate that he went to india to film the part of the movie that was in india you see that that's something I found out from the trivia section of IMDb the first time I watched it that really made me appreciate it because when I watched the movie I was like there's no way they went to India for this um, and just yeah finding out that they for that brief brief scene one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie um, mm-hmm. but it's so brief and they actually took their fucking film crew to India to film it I was like I think I even made the joke to Vanessa when we watched it of like isn't it insane how India looks nothing like Southern California but I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Your sarcasm was wrong, but the sentence was right. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just spat fucking coffee everywhere. <laughs> okay, well, calm down. It wasn't that funny. Sorry to our listeners at home. I did what my people call a triple H and spewed my beverage all over my desk and laptop. <laughs> <laughs> Spit taking Denny back at it. It's Greg's comedy, man. He's just a funny guy. He tickled my funny bone right when I was sipping. 
I hope I'm funny. I'm, most of my humor is basically like, what would make Denny laugh? And then it works. <laughs> yeah, you're fucking hilarious. Especially if you're tailoring your jokes to me. They are working. Tailored for Taylor. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember where we were, not going to lie. India. Uh, <laughs> India. Um, India. We were in India. Yes, we were. Uh, one thing that I love that they did that I don't see in movies very much anymore. I think I praised Bardo was a recent movie that did this but a scene with hundreds of extras just if it's a giant crowd just get a bunch of people mm-hmm. love that stuff yeah man. when it's just like a cgi copy paste of like a group of 40 or so you just like eh. it's like i can't remember what i said it about they were like sacrificing um believability for the sake of scale yeah yeah it's it's ineffective scale and just simply having a bunch of people running and like coordinating all those people has to be difficult but like just having all those people in the background of your shot just sells the moment so much better it makes going to india worth it absolutely man absolutely um did you notice the uh the billboard that the uh alien sentries were scanning was it the mcdonald's one yeah and it made me think huh this is probably the second best movie i've ever seen where an alien likes mcdonald's <laughs> <laughs> i made a note i said spielberg stop can't stop referencing mac and me <laughs> he did it with et and he did it again there was a there was a moment where they showed a McDonald's towards the beginning of the movie. I think it's when the the town's power starts going out. They mm-hmm. show the McDonald's lights shutting down. Oh yeah. So yeah, very uh hate to say derivative, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to be said. You know, you know what else Spielberg loves? Hmm. He loves aliens raiding fridges. <laughs> That's true. It's, he could finally like show it in ET, but yeah, he's he's got a real knack for like cokes and pizzas being on the floor. His love for aliens and his love for fridge scenes really made me understand why he made Crystal Skull the way he did Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> what if he was in the fridge? <laughs> My God, I had Raiders. Him wrong. The real Raiders are the fridge. <laughs> Whatever, I don't know. <laughs> Trying to tie in Raiders of the Lost Ark, but I guess raiding the fridge is a lost art. So, uh, that's got to be something. Ah, uh, that's stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I want to go back to the 1977 of it all. I guess I did forget sometimes that it was 77, but, like, people's outfits kept reminding me of it. Mm-hmm. But even even then, I still wasn't, like... They weren't... The lingo used wasn't dated, necessarily. Mm-hmm. I thought it was all pretty grounded or at least, like, you know, basic or serious enough to not use far outs and what have you. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it didn't seem as dated. I'm sure if, like, someone from Gen Z watched it, it would be like watching a Yaza Waza talking picture show to them, but... Mm. <laughs> 77? I'm surprised this is in color, they would say. Yeah. Oh, no, what they would say is, like, I just discovered this cool indie flick. Um, 
from way back in the 70s. But I haven't seen the first two. I can't find them anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Must be lost media. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my my uh, my barometer for when a movie needs to look good is uh, 1985, because that's when Back to the Future came out. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm very much like, if you came out after Back to the Future, I'm sorry, but this needs to look clean and crisp. If you came out before Back to the Future, I'll give it a pass. That's just kind of the way the technology was. Um, that's that's how I approach CGI when I use Jurassic Park as that mm, benchmark. Beautiful. That time, yeah. that line that you are on one side of. Yeah. Once it's been proven that it can be done really well, sorry, there's a new standard, right? So like, mm-hmm. um I'm just it's so rare that a movie from this time period looks as good as it does, you know. It's like I said, it's why I had to give it bonus points. Um very very well made and I I think like seriously, man, it's just evidence that Steven Spielberg is a master of the craft. Um and I'm sorry film nerds. I I know it's I've met people who love to have a hot take and say Amblin Entertainment just manipulates you and does the same formula over and over and over again. Brother, I got news for you. It's been the same thing over and over again since Homer was telling stories, okay? Like, <laughs> shut the fuck <laughs> up. Um, My mind went to Simpson, but go on. <laughs> the the origin of story, Homer Simpson. <laughs> I know the show's old, but come on now. <laughs> oh. um, I, I think Spielberg especially Spielberg in the 70s man like that might have been when he was at his best what what say you when was Spielberg at his best at his best I don't know it seems like it, it's just ups ups and downs and the downs aren't even bad but like 70s you've got Jaws you've got this movie 80s you've got E.T. and some other thing I'm not thinking of I'm sure 90s we've got Jurassic Park and Schindler's List like he hits different peaks at different times and like uses new film technology to make cooler and cooler movies I think the just the vision has basically stayed the same just the technology has kind of changed a little bit so I'd say 70s were definitely a high mark because in an era where stuff felt more advanced for what he was doing basically uh-huh. uh, you look back you can watch any movie from the 70s and this visually it seems like there were just there was just more risk taken technology used in a smarter way mm-hmm. and just a, a much more effective way and yeah more timeless i guess these feel a little more timeless yeah i'd, I'd have to agree with you there because um, like i said you know Minority Report looks very 2002 to me. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, man, E.T. and uh, Close Encounters, brother, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful I keep trying to lump, I keep lumping Jaws into this episode, even though it was absolutely not part of this episode. <laughs> I, uh, I want to talk about it. I don't know what to tell you. Jaws rules, man. I think I want to get a Jaws tattoo. Oh, okay. Well, I recommend it. I'm not going to stop you. I'm going to encourage you. Thanks, buddy. Um, and another thing, like I said last week, E.T. I thought had the perfect score. I think this one was... It's still John Williams. I think it's... 
as good as you can get for this movie. I just think E.T. score was like so perfect. Oh, this yeah. one was like near perfect. It was like right there. It's like a 97 out of 100 where E.T. was like 100, but still really good. I yeah. wanted to give it a shout. Man, you just can't really go wrong with a Spielberg-Williams pairing. You know, there is a, mm-hmm. they're just a director and a composer that go together like Shanalama Lama and Kadingity Ding Dong. You know, like they, they mm-hmm. just, their styles gel. They seem to understand each other so well. It's so awesome. David Fincher and Trent Reznor is who comes to mind mm. for a modern kind of pairing that always works together super well. Tim Burton and Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. It was pretty mm. good for like two or three movies. <laughs> <laughs> Once we hit 20, I was a little tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit, he says. Um, yeah, like music, it helps sell the atmosphere. We talked about the visual component, how visually impressive the movie is, sonically impressive it is. Um, like I said, kind of at the top, just being caught up in that spectacle... I was so enamored with like the reveal of the landing site when they finally climb Devil's Tower. They finally find the site. And it was just so cool and breathtaking. And then I realized I hadn't seen the alien ship in like 90 minutes. Yeah. It hit, it was popping up all over the place. Like I love how they revealed it air quotes here, revealed it in the second scene where they're in that air traffic control tower mm-hmm. and you never see the plane, you never see the ship that the plane sees or whatever. Everything is just taking place over the radio and on radar. Mm-hmm. And, like, more and more characters are coming in and, like, wait, what the hell's going on? Really cool scene. I really like it. It was a, it was a weird vibe of, like, it was the chillest version of tents I'd ever encountered. Like, yeah. <laughs> there was something so soothing about the energy of that scene. But it was also a very 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 stressful scene <laughs> of course yeah it's just they're so composed and they're just so um competent mm-hmm. at what they're doing that it's kind of like yeah it's soothing it's like i've heard it described like no country for old men it's just like this level of competence that these characters are displaying they don't need to tell me how they're doing or how they're feeling and why they're doing what they're doing the fact that they're taking such like intentional actions is like oh yeah he, I understand that he understands it. I trust what he's doing. That kind of, that kind of sensation, I guess, was echoed here. So yeah. Hell yeah, hell fucking yeah, dude. Um, I thought the French scientist kind of looked like Mark Ruffalo. He did, didn't he? Yeah, he, he would turn his head a certain way. I'd be like, mmm, anachronistic. But yeah, just some French guy. I really like that character a lot. The French scientist, and then his uh nerdy translator was that the same guy from jaws the translator guy no idea yeah well i'll figure it out i'll figure it out eventually yeah whatever anyways uh what else you got denny guy um do you remember when that little kid ran into the street sure do do you remember how slowly his mom reacted to that (laughs) We need to, yes, I do. We need to get that woman some help. She's clearly struggling as a parent. <laughs> it had a, all right, if he's out there for five more minutes, I'm going to have to do something about it energy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure this two-year-old's got it under control. Uh, but hey, just like everyone else, she just kind of abandoned everything and went alien chasing. So yep. that's fun. 
So speaking of abandoning everything and going alien chasing. Uh huh. We had to get to it sometime. Isn't it like what? Are, what are your thoughts on the writing of the protagonist of this movie, specifically the choice to have him be both an insane person and a dickhead? <laughs> that was such an odd choice for our protagonist. I thought. It's an interesting one. I think him being a dickhead kind of helps ease the... Um, what am I trying to say here? Ease the transition from being a family man to abandoning the family. We see that he didn't really like having a family anyway, so it's fine that they leave. It makes us okay with letting go. It sucks that we're stuck with him for that whole thing. and You know, uh, Will Reno's review, I didn't pick it, but... Uh, his entire review just says, yo, that dude has a wife and kids. So, <laughs> that's where I stand. I, um, I don't know. I, I appreciated, like, I thought it kind of lent to the story of just, like, having him be a family man or, like, someone with a family. And it kind of helped communicate, like, the intensity of which, you know, he's yelling at his wife while in the tub with all his clothes on. Like, I can't explain what I'm feeling. I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't understand this. And he's just, like, fixated on these aliens that, to the point where he's willing to just, like, ruin everything, walk out, and just drive into whatever, um, Wyoming, whatever national park that is. Mm -hmm. Yosemite, I believe. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought it helped kind of establish the character's drive that is supernatural in a sense mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it's just so like i guess and especially watching it right after et you kind of expect you see this like really unhappy family together um but in a way darker sense than in et like there's like undertones of like abuse in this family like it kind of seems like mom's trying to get the kids out of the way so dad doesn't hurt anyone you know like it's mm -hmm. uh it's much more uh rated pg-13 r than uh than et is um and you kind of expect it to be like oh well this story will be about how they're brought together and how they work out all these problems because that's what we're introduced to at the start of the movie and it's just not <laughs> they just never solve their problems like they, mm -hmm. they the mom and the kids just get in the car and leave and they never never thought about again um, they just bounce they're finally out of the way yeah <laughs> which sucks yeah the only thing that kind of shoots a massive hole in my theory is when um he kisses his new like journey partner mm -hmm. whose name i definitely know jillian yeah he, or sorry that's the yeah jillian he, he kisses jillian when they're like at devil's tower and i was like well i kind of ruined my fixation on the aliens theory or justification i guess <laughs> yeah i didn't like that that kind of sucked but you know what uh what really stood out to me with his insane obsession that like he couldn't stop thinking about and uh like would sacrifice everything for and was willing to let his like most important relationships suffer for is that was basically me every three weeks when i didn't have bipolar meds <laughs> like mm -hmm. i would get manic and just be absolutely like the protagonist of this movie um I, I i powerfully related to him like 
just unable to get these images out of his head and just like every moment of the day thinking about this thing he was obsessed with but it made him happy and he just felt drawn to it i was like yeah that's just just kind of what mania feels like to be honest mm-hmm. so i think he could have used some meds here well maybe they wouldn't have worked the difference is uh he was actually chasing real aliens everyone else who usually does this is just insane uh but in this mm. movie uh you know they honestly the aliens did this to him it wasn't even his own obsession it's it, it happened to a bunch of other people everyone who saw the ships just kind of had this draw to go to the landing site and this obsession with it and it's like one of the government people said like you can't kick them out they were invited right the aliens invited these people to be here mm-hmm oh, damn that's so cool <laughs> I, I appreciate that insight too that's pretty interesting I always I kind of more read it as like a childlike fascination mm-hmm. the aliens that kind of like um, you know like in Jaws we're seeing like a child's innocence through the eyes of their parents and then E.T. showed like the wonder that's present in the eyes of children and you know lets them kind of control their own little story mm-hmm. uh, this movie shows the childlike sense of wonder present within adults that's that was kind of my read on it and it's not just his kids wondering where's dad but <laughs> you know i think spielberg really captures like childlike wonder and in this case it's through the eyes of adults that still have that within them mm-hmm. and um minority report didn't really have that because the kid was dead <laughs> so <laughs> How do you feel about childlike wonder in this film? I think it's definitely conveyed. Um, I felt childlike wonder at this film watching it. I was just amazed. Um, It gave me that feeling. But honestly, like, I had to, like, I I could not see that in our protagonist. Um, He didn't seem to have, to me, it read completely differently because he was such such a cruel person. He was not... Uh, he was not endearing to me at all Um, again even him like wanting to show his kids Pinocchio the way it was presented Mm. it didn't even seem like he wanted to like connect to his childhood it seemed like he couldn't handle the concept of change and not being in control Um, he was so angry about Pinocchio you know like um, Mm -hmm. so I don't know I saw him as, as, uh, as a allegory for a crazy person honestly uh someone who has a psychotic break is kind of how i read it well i'm glad you mentioned pinocchio because we talked about the score did you hear in the when he's on the ship we echo a little bit of when you wish upon a star in the score if you as the uh, ship's taken off they, they play the whole fucking thing in the credits oh amazing how did they get i thought that? it was just that one part no how'd they score the rights to that that's what I mean, that's what blew my mind. That movie's like eighty. I don't know. It's a Disney movie. They don't fucking share. You could get away with a lot of stuff back then. I don't know, man. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm glad you noticed it. I thought that was really cool. That was one of those like ears perking up kind of moments. Like, oh shit, I know this. That, he talked about this earlier. No, I actually didn't notice it in the movie, like you said. I, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the credits, and I just pretended I noticed because it was oh, so okay. confusing. They play like 
Like the only that segment once, I think as Roy's like getting on the ship mm-hmm. or something like that, or like he might be like in the suit and then like being absorbed by the like the light or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of his wish is coming true, basically. Maybe now he's no longer a puppet. I don't know. <laughs> and like, I'm sure that there's some lame-ass theory that the entire ending scene is all a dream. Ooh. Because I bet there's something out there posted of, like, you know, actually, he got gassed on the mountain, is asleep, and he's dreaming about going to the aliens. I don't want to hear any of that shit. I hate stuff like that. <laughs> Headcanon head BS, it just bores the shit out of me. And it's just like, I was getting into an argument in my head about something that I hadn't seen presented, actually. I was just, like, mad about the possibility of somebody making this argument, and I wanted to share it here. So, don't come at me with that, folks. He doesn't want that! I don't want that! Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I like that we have a an alien invasion kind of movie. And you, you can see, like, this inspired stuff like Arrival, mm-hmm. right? Where, like, the aliens are actually friendly. Yeah. That kind of dealt with more of the societal... How society would react to an alien invasion and that kind of thing. Just assume that violence is the answer. I like that this took a scientific approach. The aliens were friendly. I kind of liked that at the end, the, the scientists... No one was really care concerned about security. Like, Roy's on the run this whole time, but once he makes it to the to the landing site everyone's just so in awe of alien ship landing yeah they don't really care who's there like humanity's all in this together yeah watching this take place yeah it's such a it's such an optimistic take on aliens and what could happen with the universe and then you look at our generation and we made fucking district nine you know (laughs) like that's that's our take on aliens um man it must have been so nice you know, like, because this is a very, very sincere, optimistic, um, down-to-earth, uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, take take on aliens reaching us. Um, it's It must have been nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it must have been nice to think it, it could go down like this. Um, even Arrival is much more cynical than this. Um, so, even oh, yeah. just in the human relations with the aliens much more cynical um oh man i do i do love because like something that i've always thought was cool is like i I took a class in college called the search for extraterrestrial life at the university of texas it was awesome um and something that we do um to try to contact aliens is we broad we broadcast sequences of prime numbers out into space because the the belief is that like math would be a universal language and so they would be able to see these numbers all have something in common they must be coming from somewhere intentional you know like somewhere like us Mm. um and i liked this movie's take that uh instead of going uh technical with it that music would be a universal language music would be a language everyone could speak what what are are your thoughts on that i think you know, we did a what was it? Retro sci-fi. We did that episode, and we watched a lot of movies where 
you know, the day the Earth stood still. It's just a humanoid alien walking out of a ship and talking English. Mm-hmm. Just this concept of language not even being a form of communication. Arrival, of course, used like time as a means of communication. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, using music, something sensory, I think is way more interesting because, you know, using it as a means of communication, like, are these sounds universally happy or are they just happy to our human ears? Mm-hmm. Or are, is that fun, sweet little soft melody really a violent sound mm-hmm. to to these aliens mm-hmm. like it's kind of it kind of adds another layer of intention and uncertainty between like humans and an alien species i just think it's using not language i guess i all think it's just a lot more interesting and music itself very cool i like it when the song starts going faster and faster and faster mm. I'm not 100% sure what it means, but I can tell we're getting along. I used to just listen to that track from the score, like, driving around town. (laughs) I loved Mm -hmm. it so much. I just like that. The guy playing the synths is just like, I don't know what we're saying to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep playing. (laughs) You'll play the notes and you'll like it. And we liked it. Mm What did you think about the aliens? themselves i think that they were very on brand for the movie in the sense that this movie is a very simplified streamlined and focused alien movie right like it's Mm. it's Mm -hmm. very down to the bare bones of what it is and so you know kind of little green men came out of the spaceship it seemed appropriate um yeah i thought and then there's like that super wiry tall one yeah that's so cool and like everything's shrouded in light if that makes sense Mm -hmm. they're so backlit that they're almost just shadows in front of you Mm -hmm. a very satisfying reveal i i thought i thought it was a good payoff for the whole movie yeah most definitely i wonder what he's going to be doing up there in that ship i wonder i wonder probably getting his butthole probed (laughs) yeah you know when you wish upon a star lucky guy careful what you wish for upon a star you know uh, the old saying because you just might get it somewhere you don't like (laughs) isn't that how the old phrase goes yeah i remember jiminy cricket singing that (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm sure he was screaming jiminy cricket anyways pinocchio stop Uh, lying it hurts (laughs) oh no i'm drawing a line in the sand here denny we got to get to gimmicks here, I think, Let's do Denny. It. I think we're all set here. Yes, sir. Uh, for the final time, Denny, what is for the gimmick of the week? What is your feel of spiel for Close Encounters? Um, it was uh, when we see the exterior of the farmhouse and just the dimly lit, like we've got the porch light and we've got the moonlight, and I was like, "This is how Steven Spielberg creates atmosphere." It was, it was right mm. there in that moment. Uh, what do you got? I got the reason we went to India, basically. I had a few different ones that I really liked, but um, I think my favorite one, I had a vague memory of it happening, but I I wasn't sure, but I just could tell visually what was going to happen. Our protagonists and all the scientists, or like all the scientists, sorry, not the protagonists, are up on a hill in India. They're addressing a crowd as they're singing the melody, 
and way up on the hill, the guy, um, the Indian translator, basically asked the crowd, where did you hear this sound? And then, like, 25 hands with arrows pointing to the sky pop up into frame. Yes. Fucking rocks. Loved that moment. So fucking um, cool. I kind of felt it coming. I, I did it myself, like, when I was watching. I was like, up here, they're, they're going to do that. I felt it coming, and I feel like I may have had, like, a vague memory of that happening, but, ah, uh, thrilled me to no end when I saw it. Beautiful moment. One of my Again, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. All right, Denny. Uh, favorite scenes? I like that. What about favorite lines? What do you got? To quote Magnitude, same question, same answer, Greg. Pop, pop. Oh, hearing uh, hundreds of voices chanting the melody um, mm. fascinates me. Really, really, just like, I just like felt those vibrations. It resonated with me. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's my favorite line and probably favorite part of the movie. I don't know. The alien reveals my favorite part, but that's my favorite line. What kind of sucks is that all those uh, Indian people could not make it over to Devil's Tower in time before the ship took off with uh, <laughs> our guy Roy. I'm sure they were all like pilgrimaging their way over here, but they're like, "What do you mean the ship's gone? Son of a fucking bitch!" <laughs> There's 200 of us. <laughs> ah, those poor guys. Anyways, um, I had a few favorite lines. From the kids in the, one of the family scenes. Dad said we could finish watching the Ten Commandments. Roy, that movie is four hours long. I told them they'd only watch Five Commandments. <laughs> uh, the next one I had was Roy challenging his uh, right to be at the site the air isn't toxic they brought little birds with them to prove that it's not toxic and he says according to my birds the only bad air is you guys farting around <laughs> super nice it's great ah, great line. artistry artistry but my favorite line is the uh the french scientist talking to roy they're just in awe of the spaceship and the french scientist asks mr neary what do you want and roy says i want to know that it's really happening mm. so cool mm. that was that moment where it's like we were just interrogating why are you here but it's just like none of that matters now we're in the presence of something that's beyond who should be here or not that yeah. kind of thing yeah very cool very good moment very good moment i liked it a lot cool man well damn what's your uh, critic or score i was a little back and forth on this one i was expecting to have et be the highest score this week of course but i really liked this one i gave it a 37 out of 40 nice. i was deep into it i was having a great time my man uh similar sentiments i gave it a 46 out of 50 um, mm. That's all-timer territory for me. Um, and I think for you, too, I would say. Um, so we're both incredibly high on this movie. We're both incredibly high on this movie. And that just begs the question, Danny, what is the best movie for when you've got a case of the Spielbergs? As someone that just overcame the illness. Oh, man. Um, you know, I gave them the same score, but I'm going to go with E.T. because... 
I think it is if you ask me to name one Steven Spielberg movie that's the one I'm going to name every time um, I even think Spielberg's made better movies than E.T. but that's the one I most associate with Steven Spielberg that I think really captures what I love about him good justification good answer uh, like I would say Jurassic Park honestly mm-hmm. like oh just fantastic I I thought E.T. would be the home run pick for this, but with how much I like this movie, I kind of want to go with it. But I'm kind of leaning towards your mindset here of just being like, when I think of a Spielberg movie, what do I what do I picture? What do I think of? And I think I got to go with E.T. as well. Mm-hmm. If you got a case of the Spielbergs, your little alien puppet friend is here to help you out. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. And we have cause for celebration, do we not, Greg? Yeah, we're not pumping the champagne just yet, but we're about to. Celebrate. Celebrate. Come on and celebrate, Danny. What are we celebrating? 100 episodes of this glorious, beautiful little thing we call a podcast. 100 episodes! We're about to do it. If you didn't notice, this is episode 99. That means next episode is episode 100 cause for celebration did you ever think we'd make it to 100 episodes Denny? I think I always knew in my heart we would <laughs> like um, <laughs> I've never really envisioned this podcast as something that would end so <laughs> um, yeah I guess I always assumed we would what about you? well surely it must keep going I don't know, it just it kind of snuck up on me I think somewhere in the 70s episode like somewhere in the 70 range I was like oh we're coming up on 100 uh later mm-hmm. it kind of snuck up on me a little bit here i was a little surprised that it's here already i always knew it would happen i guess uh i'm just taken aback that it's finally here but i couldn't be happier denny how would you like to celebrate 100 episodes well greg i would like to celebrate by celebrating you i want to celebrate oh, a movie you love and a movie that's very near and dear to my heart. A movie we have been trying to find a reason to cover for a long time on this podcast. That's, that's true. I want to celebrate with Alien. But Greg? Oh. Oh, am I walking up to the whiteboard? You've written Alien on the whiteboard, you see. And I'm walking up and I'm putting a little dollar sign after the word Alien. Because <laughs> I'm James Cameron and I'm here to direct Aliens. We're having a good, old-fashioned science fiction double feature for the 100th Woo! episode of Movies for When. Hell it's going to yeah. make five sci-fi movies in a row for us. I'm not mad. I love sci-fi, dude. I'm down. I feel like Wrestled Madness was bordering on science fiction, but... Yeah, yeah. More fantasy than anything. It was a magical movie. Oh, uh, more on the Airbud Cosmic Justice theory. An abandoned child gets you a trip to space. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you abandon your family, God takes you out of this planet. That's right. You. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about that. Alien and aliens. Oh man, a double feature. We haven't done multiple movies in an episode in ages ages they used to drain us like crazy but i feel like these are going to energize us and just be fun yeah we might need to put time limits on my worry is that we're going to discuss alien for like an hour and a half and then have to do aliens after that you know like 
we might yeah. we might need a we might need to pace ourselves. Yeah, I'm good with that. And you know, if I'm if I'm feeling up to it, maybe it'll be a video episode. We'll see. Ooh. That'd be kind of fun. That would be. All right, Denny. We've celebrated Steven Spielberg. We're about to celebrate ourselves. Let's give one last hurrah and celebrate the catchphrase. For Greg Work, the Leg Work Johnson, I'm Denny the Talent Taylor, and this has been Movies for When. We already told you when, but you know what we didn't tell you? What's my cage again? I'm a policeman. See my badge?